you don't know me, my name is Ed. My wife and I, Brittany, are the pastors here at UDYA. It's not Udia, it's UDYA, just so you know. We were at another church's young adult event, and they were like, we've heard about you guys. You're Udia, right? I was like, no. Um, no, we're not. We finally have merch, too, by the way. I, I suggest you buy it. We were told it was cool, so that's why I'm wearing it. Um, honestly, I'm turned 27 next month, and being cool is like really hard to keep up with, I'll be honest. So I'm just thankful I have people to tell me if I'm being cool or not. I'm just stalling until you get to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, we will start in verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Uh, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray real quick. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for your grace, that we get to be in relationship with you, and that your grace works in us to work through us, to transform us. We thank you for that. We thank you for the glimpse of the sun today, and that we would hold on to the fact that the sun exists as it starts to rain again. In your name, amen. How many of y'all are independent? How many guys are independent? I I think some of the first words I ever learned, my parents tell me, is that I'll do it myself. How many guys have a I'll do it myself mentality? Anybody? I just took a personality test. I just took a personality test the other day. And uh, the number one character trait that I have is I am fueled by competition. All right? Absolutely fueled by competition. So Growing up, if my parents said I couldn't do it, if my dad said I couldn't do it, if my brother said you couldn't do it, I was like, I'm going to do it purely because you said that I couldn't do it, right? And so I, uh, I remember one night, well, I vaguely remember one night, I had this really, really, really cool toy that I really loved. Uh, how many guys got presents at Christmas that made noise, and then about two days later, your parents were like, oh, it's broken, sorry. Well, I had one of those. I had this, like, gun laser thingy, and I would, like, run around, and I would just destroy. I was fighting someone, generally my, my parents, right? And I would just destroy them every time I got a chance. I would run up and like, pew, 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 pew. So one night, my dad decided he didn't want to pew, pewed anymore, right? And took it and put it on top of his dresser. I'm just a little, little, little guy, right? Like little guy enough that the dresser was like the tallest thing I've ever seen next to my parents. And I woke up the next morning, and I had decided when I went to sleep that I was going to get my gun at the top of the dresser. So I snuck, I crawled out of, out of my bed that still had sides on it, right? And I crawled out of that, snuck into, across the hallway, into my parents' bedroom, started pulling the dresser drawers out to create a rudimentary ladder of, of sorts, and began to climb up my parents' dresser, 
All right? I was doing really well until one of the drawers, my weight shifted, and the drawers pinned my hand up against the dresser, right? So my dad hears me crying. This is what wakes him up in the morning, is his son had snuck out of his bed, crawled across the hallway, started climbing up the dresser, and my father, like every good father, decided to take a picture, and I think we have that picture. Yeah, so this is me stuck. Yeah, that's, that's me on that. But yeah, what I wanted was like, right, I was almost there. Like, I almost had it. But I was stuck. I was stuck because I decided that I was just going to do it myself. And I, and I think a lot of us in life take this, I'm going to do it myself mentality, and we find ourselves stuck. That's why I find it interesting in this chunk of scripture, Paul is writing about the fact that things were going well for him. He says, because I was figuring this Jesus thing out, I was figuring life out, and I was preaching all over the place, and I was showing people Jesus, it was going well. Because it was going well, I started to realize a thorn in my flesh. I love the fact that it doesn't say what Paul's thorn was. It just says that he had it. Because it's really easy, if we're honest, if we self-evaluate a little bit, to start asking ourselves the question, what's the thorn in my flesh? See, your thorn... Commentators argue for years and years and years about what Paul's thorn was. But your thorn could be practical. The thorn in your flesh, the thing that's holding you back from what you know you're supposed to do, could be really practical. It could be your relationship with your parents at home. It could be the fact that you don't have enough money to go back to college. It could be the fact that you have a relationship that's just really frustrating you right now. It could be physical. Maybe you have an illness or a sickness. It could be emotional. Maybe you went through something when you were younger and it's just holding you back. In essence, it has you stuck in the dresser drawers. It might be mental. The battle in your head is so intense, it wears you out. It could be spiritual. You don't know what you think about this Jesus thing. You don't know your place in this world and you're just kind of on this journey trying to figure it out. I don't know where you're at tonight, but we all have a thorn in our flesh. This thing that has us stuck in the dresser drawers. And Paul says this, and he keeps going on, and he says, I asked God three times to take it away. A lot of us, as we become more self-aware of the thorn in our flesh, the thing that's holding us back, the first thing we want to do is immediately remove it, right? And Paul goes to God, and he says the first time, hey, God, this isn't cool. Uh, Can you remove this? Nothing. Second time, God, this is bugging me. Can you remove it? Third time, God, this is bugging me. Can you remove it? See, there's two ways to lighten a load. The first one is to remove it like Paul was requesting. The second one is this, is to strengthen your shoulders, which was God's response to Paul. See, God is in the business of strengthening our shoulders. That's the whole idea of grace. God's response to Paul is this, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. I want to ask you the question tonight, is there a chance that you're asking someone, God, your friends, your family, to remove a load that maybe you just need to strengthen your shoulders to carry? Is there a chance that something that is holding you back, beating you up, holding you down, You really need God's grace to come in and start to show himself strong. That's why Paul writes later in the book to the Philippian church, he says this, Christ, through Christ, I can overcome. 
He says this, it's not me, but it's God's grace working through me. This is a revelation that Paul had to come to, and Paul's no wimp. Paul isn't a wimp. Paul was imprisoned. He was beaten. He survived a shipwreck at one point. He traveled the whole known world, walked all over the place. He knows what it's like to be strong. And yet, this is the powerful thing that Paul realizes as we continue reading. He says this, Therefore, I rather boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ may dwell in me. See, Paul realized this. Until we become intimately aware of the thorn in our flesh and know where to take it to God, we're weak. True strength comes when I'm willing to say, I understand and embrace the frailty and limited capacity of my humanity. When I'm willing to say that, then power is perfected in weakness. And that is why at the end of this chunk of scripture, I heard this scripture so many times and I always thought it said, for when I am weak, then God is strong. But it actually says this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. See, a lot of us would believe that I just have to sheer will and force my way through it, and then at the last second, God might come in and save me. There's an element of that's true. God cares for you. He's in it with you. But the truth is this. The quicker I can realize and accept that I'm just constantly going to get stuck in the dresser drawer, the sooner I can come to the conclusion that willing and shoving and forcing things in my own capacity is going to leave me stuck, the sooner I can admit that I don't have it all together, and the sooner I know where to take that realization to God, is the sooner I begin to increase my capacity, begin to strengthen my shoulders. I want to end with a story tonight in the Bible and we'll be done. If you want to look at it, it's in Matthew 14. I love this story about Peter. Peter's, Peter's my guy in the Bible because Peter's stupid. I'll be honest. Peter's not very smart. And Peter says stuff that gets him in trouble. So a little bit of background. Jesus has just finished teaching. And there's thousands upon thousands of people pressing them back onto the Sea of Galilee. If you look at a picture of the Sea of Galilee, it's really a lake. But they call it a sea. All right? It's about 11 miles wide. And Jesus says to his disciples, the people who's doing life at the time, he says, hey, this, hey, I want you to go across the Sea of Galilee, and I'm going to catch up to you. The Bible says that Jesus withdrew himself to go pray. And then later into the night, about 3 a.m., sometime between 3 and 4 a.m., this huge storm hits the Sea of Galilee. The disciples are in the boat, and they grew up on these waters. They were fishermen. They knew the storm was coming, but this was a storm big enough for the fact that it says that they were starting to freak out about it. ship is being tossed to and fro in the waves. And Peter, the disciples, are looking out onto the Sea of Galilee, and it's flat. Remember, all that's there is waves now. And they see this thing walking towards them. you got to understand, according to Jewish culture, ghosts found their origins in water, all right? So as far as they're concerned, as much as they know, this, this ghost thing is coming towards them in the water. And as it gets closer, they realize, oh, it's Jesus. Jesus realized that he's freaked them out, and he says, hey, don't be scared. And I love Peter's response to this. Peter's response is, hey, Jesus, if it's you, call me out onto the water. Peter had every right to say, hey, Jesus, if that's you, wave back. 
Jesus, if that's you, make a funny noise like we would do from far away, right? Anybody ever done the awkward like, oh, hey, nope, that's not you. My bad, right? Jesus had, uh, Peter had the right to do that, but Peter just puts his foot in his mouth. Hey, Jesus, if that's you, I want to walk on the water with you. And Jesus says, come, come out onto the water. So now Peter has to back it up, right? He is facing a stuck in the drawers moment. And he decides to step off the side of the boat. He fixes, the Bible says he fixes his eyes on Jesus. He steps off the side of the boat. He begins to walk on water. He's now the second person to do that. First being Jesus, second being Peter. He's now walking on water. But it's interesting to me that in the scripture it says, though he was walking on water, he noticed that the wind was blowing. There's so many of us that start stepping towards chasing after whether we realize it or not, this great thing that God put in our hearts. It says in Ephesians, this good work that God prepared for us a long time ago. We step out of the boat and we start walking towards what God has for us. And then we get completely distracted by this thing that really shouldn't matter in light of how big of a step of faith we took. Peter is walking on water. Who cares if the wind is blowing? And it says the wind blowing was enough to distract his attention from Jesus. And all of a sudden, the focus moved from God's grace moving towards Jesus to focusing entirely on how he was going to solve his current situation. He got himself stuck in the dresser drawers. He begins to sink. And Jesus reaches out and grabs him and pulls him up and he asks, why did you doubt? Isn't doubt interesting? Doubt just literally means a divided mind. It literally means I kind of believe this is going to work, but I kind of believe it's not. I think a lot of us have this type of relationship with Jesus. I kind of believe it's going to work over here, but I really don't think it's going to work over here. And we wonder why we find ourselves stuck time and time again. The faith that got you out of the boat. The faith that encouraged you to take the first step. That's the faith that keeps you moving forward. And we get scared of doubt, don't we? I mean, I don't, I don't know why you doubt. I know why I doubt. The logic makes a lot of sense. I know when I doubt it's because while I find myself in a situation right now, you know, Jesus, you may have worked like in that last situation, but man, this one's big. I don't know if you're going to be able to come through in this. You may doubt because you've just never seen Jesus work. You may doubt because someone has told you that Jesus doesn't work. You may doubt because church burned you. You may doubt because you don't know what Jesus is going to do with your thorn in the flesh, the thing that's holding you back. And a lot of us assume, and if we didn't read the story, we would assume that Jesus, as Peter began to doubt, would have walked right past Peter and said, figure it out. You gave up on me. I'm tapping out on you. This is what I love about this story. Jesus did not address Peter's doubt until he had already pulled him out of being stuck. We see Jesus and his posture not be walking past him saying, figure it out, but pausing on his journey to the boat, grabbing Peter. And the Bible says that Jesus and Peter returned to the boat together. 
I want to ask you the question, friends, tonight. Is there a chance that you're stuck? I don't know where you're at in your faith, and I don't know what you think about Jesus, and I don't know what you believe and don't believe. I don't know where you're doubting tonight, but is there a chance that you're like Peter, stuck in the water, half in, half out? I mean, some of us, we jumped off the boat with a lot of gusto. We were in. Here we go. And life got hard, and we found ourselves half in, half out. Some of us have been half out, half in, half out for a long time. Some of us have never even gotten out of the boat. I don't know where in the story your faith level is right now, but I do know this. That Jesus, the story ends with Jesus bringing calm to the sea. What moved Jesus to walk across the Sea of Galilee on the water towards the boat was to bring calm to the situation, to bring shalom. A word means to weave peace back through your life. I don't know where you don't have peace. I don't know where the storm is raging in your life tonight, but I do know these two things. If you're willing to admit that you don't have it all together, if you're willing to admit, hey, (laughs) I got a thorn in my flesh. I have this thing that isn't working. I have this thing that's holding me back. I have this thing I haven't figured out. If you're willing to admit that, And then you're willing to fix your eyes on Jesus and take a step of faith, believing that if I initiate with God, he's going to reach down and pull me out of where I'm stuck and walk me towards peace. Man, I want that. I want that a lot. And I see it here. And I've felt it. And I know it's real. And I know if Jesus is working for me, I really know he's going to work for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes tonight? I don't want to do anything complicated, and I'm not going to say eloquent words to entice you to a response, but I do want to ask you the question tonight. Is there a chance that you need to step out of the boat towards Jesus tonight? Is there a chance that there's an error in your life that you just really need to admit that you don't have it all together? Is there a chance that you're struggling with some doubt tonight and you need Jesus to prove himself true? If my talk in in any way, whether it's your faith or doubt or admitting that you don't have it all together, if any of that hit you tonight, would you just put your hand on your heart? I don't want to pull you forward. I don't want to make a big deal out of anything. Thank you. Thanks. I just want to pray for you tonight and and really believe that regardless of where you're at, that Jesus is going to make himself real to you throughout the next week right now in your life, that there's going to be no doubt that that peace, shalom, that Jesus comes to bring is going to be in your life. God, we thank you so much that you come, you came to the earth to bring peace to men, to us. Peace, being able to be okay with ourselves, to understand that it's not our job to get ourselves unstuck, but it's our job just simply to say, Jesus, are you there? And step out. And as we fix our eyes on you and as we move forward, though we may get distracted by things, that you're always there to pull us back out and keep heading us towards peace. We thank you for that. And we thank you that you're working in us so you can work through us. We thank you for that in your name. Amen. Amen. We we really at UDYA, at UDIA, whatever you want to call us, we we really have a passion to just help people write better stories. Like, I, I don't know 
what your story looks like right now and where you find yourself. But if you need some encouragement or you need some prayer, if you need someone to talk to, you need some advice, then that's why we do this. Because we really believe that community can help make each other stronger. We really believe that Jesus can help you write a better story. So if you want to talk to someone tonight, come find me, find Brittany, find one of our leaders, and, and we'll chat with you. We have Pazuki, right? That's what that's called? Yeah. If you don't know what that is, it's a hot cookie with ice cream and then a bunch of stuff on top of it. So it's just straight health food. Like, seriously. Uh, so that's going to be out there and we got games and stuff. So hang out, have a great night and hopefully we'll see you next week.